like everyone to Tangi for your success and wealth. Firstly, let me thank everyone for the incredible support this channel has received from you, the listeners, what are now worldwide. My intent from day one of the launching was to create a place where all of us who think the same way and have the same questions can come and exchange ideas and solutions to decode what always seems to be the big mystery and why only a small percentage of people can actually attain success and wealth. I will continue to give you the power to make success and wealth a daily part of your life by giving you the keys to sharpen your skills and I will continue to give you my story and the story of others through interviews that are scheduled in the upcoming episodes. This episode, I'll continue part two of my friend John's story and how through example and a specific plan devised for him, I got him from financial disaster to the prosperity he now enjoys. The money he made as a provider after he got fired from his high-paying executive position was clearly gray market money, and I decided that it was okay to move forward. In the book Cliptopia, Tom Burgess, the author and investigative correspondent of the Financial Times of London, clearly points out that the world's dirty money is in danger of conquering the world, as the subtitle suggests. Not only is most of the world's money in danger of wrapping the world with its dirtiness, but because there seems to be a global alliance made up of powerful people that are helping the cleansing of that dirty money, it seems that a large percentage of that money that passes through our hands has already been cleaned up by that group. So what's the point of all this? That there's really no more truly squeaky clean money out in the world anymore. It may have never been. For a bad dancer, even his balls bother him. (laughs) I wish I'd come up with that great phrase, but it's actually, from what I can tell, an old Russian expression that basically means that there's people that will complain about everything and anything, no matter what. My friend John was exactly like that, always pointing the finger at everyone for his financial disaster. But it was all really his fault. I always advise everyone not to do business with friends or family because they will put you out of business very quickly. They'll always tell you that what you're doing is great and they're the first to come in and ask you for a huge discount or free products or services. That will put you, your business, and your bank account immediately on the road to bankruptcy. When John had his executive job with that production company and was making the big money, he made the mistake of going into business with his cousin. And after all was said and done, he lost every penny of the $100,000 that he put in. They opened an exercise studio that neither one had any experience running. And as John told me about the business fiasco, it was clear that his cousin's only intent was to steal that $100,000 from John. His cousin immediately declared bankruptcy a few days after opening and tried to make it look like the business failed due to a lack of memberships. But it was only a week after it opened that he filed for bankruptcy. Yet his cousin's daughter was out spending like never before. New car, new luxury purses, new everything. His cousin's prior lifestyle was too modest at best and he had mysteriously come into a lot of money for his family to enjoy. The fight that occurred after the business disaster between John and his cousin could become another episode unto itself. As of the airing of this episode, which is many years later since that occurred, they still don't talk to each other. 
even at the rare family gatherings. John always made a lot of money because he understood the concept of networking himself to powerful people that always opened up doors for him. He was well-educated and stayed immersed in the task at hand. Essentially, he was subconsciously applying the three main keys of the Tangy Matrix to his life by being intelligent, focused, and connected. But John's problem was that he still had the avoids around him, and those nearest to him had an advantage because they were his friends and family and were already within his inner circle that allowed them to easily attack. And that's what caused the draining of his bank accounts. Besides the bamboozle that his cousin played on him, he always had to pay for everything on the weekend partying with his friends. Come on, Mr. Big Money, get the bill, and I'll get the next one, is what he always heard from his friends. And of course, the next one never came. Almost every weekend was a repeat. You get caught up in the image of having a bottomless bank account that really my so-called friends set up for me. It makes you feel good because it strokes your ego and it makes you feel like a superhero. But only they benefit from it, John said to me. Unfortunately, he was only able to see into the next 24 hours and not beyond that. And that's what always got him into financial trouble. He wasn't able to comprehend that he could enjoy the now while ensuring his continued success for tomorrow and beyond. John had gotten a second chance at making big money, and he was determined not to blow it again. It was his decision to seek out my help with getting him set up on the Tangy Matrix. We covered in the previous episode about his gray market money, and I never asked him how he converted it to usable cash, because as far as I was concerned, what he was doing was a victimless endeavor in his specific case. Everyone was a willing participant. Car rich, but house poor. So what exactly does that mean? Let me explain to you. John's first problem that we had to correct was that he was indeed car rich and house poor. He drove a beautiful Range Rover, but was still a renter, and at one point almost homeless. His second problem was that he had the avoid still in his life. In California, especially Southern California, and without a doubt, in the greater Los Angeles area, people have always projected their wealth and success through the cars they drive. Also, because of the lack of public transportation in Southern California, everyone drives a car. The California car culture has always been trendsetting worldwide, but the problem with most cars is that they lose their value almost immediately after purchasing them. I have many friends who drive the most awesome cars. Some of them even have supercars. They went out and bought expensive, exotic cars when they made some money. One of the first ways that most people project their success and wealth is to go out and buy the most expensive car they can get. That's awesome, but in my opinion, They should have waited and waited a little more until they've had multiple sources of income set up and their money machine running at full speed. Most people want the quickest and easiest road to success and wealth, and the last thing on their minds is saving up for a down payment on a house. Well, needless to say, most of them are still renters now. It's certainly not a crime to be a renter, but you must break away from this paradigm and make homeownership one of the first goals you accomplish to put yourself on the path for success and wealth in your life. Buying a home, 
especially in America, will be your elevator to wealth. And the earlier the better, but it's never too late. Because rents are always so expensive, no matter where you live, you just simply can't continue to rent and expect your wealth status to rise. All the while, home prices will have increased steadily upwards for every year that passes that you continue to rent. A homeowner's overall worth is many times more than a renter's. And that's why it should be your number one priority to buy your first house as soon as possible because that decision will have a huge impact for you during the rest of your life. Essentially, you'll hit the ground running and that'll put you in a great financial position. Plan out a strategy that will let you save up for at least 10% down payment. If the optimal 20% down payment is not viable, not having to pay the PMI, which is private mortgage insurance, on your mortgage can save you up to four to $800 per month, but that's why I recommend making a 20% down payment your goal. Basically, when you put less than 20% down on a home purchase, the bank considers you at a higher risk for default, and that's why you must have the PMI included in your monthly payment. However, if a 10% down payment is all you can make, that's still better than continuing to rent. If the 3.5% minimum down payment is all you can save up, that's still better than renting. The first thing that I told John was that he needed to finally purchase his first house. Absolutely nothing else gives you that year-over-year equity increase like real estate. On an average year-over-year, you'll make a steady 5% to 7% on your investment. Currently, it's about 20% on average on your real estate investment. Of course, John was skeptical about buying his first house. His reasoning was the usual. I heard a crash is coming, he said. You know, if I got a dollar for every time I heard that, I'd be making 11 G's weekly and not just 10. There are many portents of doom out there who are all too eager to tell you why a housing crash is coming just around the corner. But their conclusions are based on rumor, hearsay, ignorance, and stupidity. Home prices are directly tied to the law of supply and demand. And the only thing that really causes home prices to fall is when there are too many foreclosures on the market. It's very simple. The 2008-2010 housing crash was caused by low interest rates, easy credit, poor regulation, which equal to toxic mortgages, and all those people who purchased homes under the stated assets, stated income loans, just walked away from their homes when their interest-only mortgages began resetting and then became too expensive. In many cases, their mortgage payments more than doubled. In simple terms, those people really couldn't afford the loans they got. The underwriting process for loans is much stricter now and thus has created solid loans, which creates solid homeowners with solid purchases that aren't going to become foreclosures. According to the research firm Adam Data Solutions, most banks have sold off their inventory of foreclosed properties they had on hand and foreclosures are at the lowest levels since 2005. An abundance of foreclosures causes prices to drop. More buyers and sellers causes prices to increase. Very simple, right? But the latter is more common and because of that, the hottest market has always been the two and three bedroom homes, which are what most first-time buyers are looking for. 
My wife has two friends. They both have high-income jobs and are about the same age. Both of their spouses have high-income jobs also, and that's where the similarities end. They are complete opposites on everything else. One has been a homeowner for many years, and the other has had the opportunity of homeownership slip past her many years ago. Friend number one purchased her first house with her husband many years ago. She then got divorced and was still able to purchase her second home several years later, even after they short-sold their first home during their divorce. The appropriate time had passed for her to qualify again, and more importantly, she never gave up on her belief of being a homeowner again. The second friend said that she would never be a homeowner because she did not want the commitment to a mortgage, to which I politely reminded her about the old real estate adage that says, everyone has a mortgage. Either you're paying your mortgage or you're paying your landlord's mortgage, but everyone has a mortgage. I have a friend that lives vicariously through his successful friend that owns several properties throughout Southern California. When I've asked him directly and indirectly why after all these years he hasn't bought his first house yet, considering that he had a very healthy 401k from his work that he could tap into for the down payment, he would always deflect the question by pointing out that his friend had many properties and was very successful. He would never answer the question directly because he just didn't believe it was possible for him. In his eyes, he was successful by association. Once again, he had the same mentality that my wife's friend had that wouldn't allow either one of them to believe that they could also be homeowners. I have another friend whose mom was shocked many years ago when he paid $150,000 for his house. She had bought her home many years before him and paid $45,000 for her house. She told him that $150,000 was too expensive and that he should have waited. Fast forward to the present, and his same house is now worth almost $1.8 million, which he recently sold, and because his house was paid in full, he cleared every penny of that, except for his seller's expenses, which was about $100,000. Had he listened to his mom, who meant well, he'd still be waiting today to buy that $45,000 home. That's four examples of acquaintances from different backgrounds and different income levels. Two had no barriers, and the other two only had barriers. Two had successfully purchased their homes on their first attempts, and the other two weren't qualified yet and just gave up early on to never try again. The only difference between the two successful homeowners and the two lifetime renters was their mindset, and that molded their belief for attaining homeownership solely based on their past experiences. By simply deciding to do something, That alone will put you instantly on the 50-yard line of the mental football field. You'll get across the other 50 yards for the touchdown by applying the three powerful keys of the Tangy Matrix. I completely disagree with a small portion of those experts that say renting is better than owning your house, especially in this high-priced market. The reason that I disagree is because you shouldn't take on any unnecessary debt. But we have to break it down further to get a better understanding. I agree with not having credit card debt because that will kill your pathway to success and wealth. However, mortgage debt is different. 
the equity in the house that you've purchased can easily surpass that mortgage debt over time. And since you're probably not going to live in your car, by renting, you've taken on what I call intangible debt. Anyway, because you have to pay to live somewhere. Intangible debt is there, but you don't see it directly. As an example, let's say you rent an apartment at $2,000 per month and decide that you have to stay there for five years for whatever reason. So now, $2,000 monthly times 12 months times five years equals $120,000 in rent that you've paid out over those five years in this example. And that's considering the highly unlikely possibility that there weren't no rent increases during those five years. Whether you charge your credit card for $120,000 or pay rent for five years that totals $120,000, you've essentially taken on the same debt by simply paying rent for those five years. And that's just as bad as credit card debt. Because after five years of paying rent, you move out of that apartment with absolutely nothing in your hands. And guess what? You'll probably have to go rent again somewhere else. This is why you must make it your goal to purchase your first home as soon as possible. I won't sugarcoat it. It is hard buying your first house because you have to maintain your credit score, maintain your work history, maintain your income level, have little to no debt, all while saving up for that down payment. It takes a high level of discipline to maintain those parameters that are needed for you to qualify during at least the two years prior to purchasing your first home. It's a lot of work to get all those things falling into place, but not impossible. After that, it's so much easier for many reasons. On average, most homes now can expect a 20% annual price increase, and since most people stay in their homes an average of 10 years, that gives you a lot of equity buildup. That's not even including how much you've paid down your principal in those same 10 years, which could add several hundred thousand dollars to the mix. Many possibilities will open up for you then. You can do a refinance with cash out to purchase a second home or just simply sell and move up to a bigger and newer home. I did both. I explained all this to John and he finally seemed convinced. My wife, who has been a real estate agent for many years, helped him purchase his first beautiful home and shortly thereafter, he began investing in income properties throughout Southern California that added a steady income and increased his wealth substantially. But his story doesn't end there. I told John that his income from his real estate investments should be buffered with income from multiple sources. He suggested that he always wanted to open a small business, and more specifically, a drop shipping business. I told John that the best and easiest way to start was with a small home-based business, for many reasons because that's how I started my exports business, from home. But not a drop shipping business. And I explained to him in detail why. Now, the latest Get Rich Quick gimmicks are all on YouTube commercials. It's the same promise that has been around for decades, with the Get Rich in Real Estate gurus, but only the methods have changed. Now, You can get super wealthy, according to the YouTube gurus, by email marketing products to customers and then drop shipping from Chinese suppliers. In theory, this is awesome. You just sit at your computer, type away with your email marketing campaigns, 
have the products shipped directly from the manufacturers in China to your customers that you sold them to and the money starts to flow into your bank account immediately. It only takes a few minutes of your day and no product inventory is ever needed to warehouse. Does this really work? Of course not. I'm going to explain in detail why drop shipping from China isn't as easy as they make it sound. Here's three simple reasons why drop shipping from China doesn't work. Number one, shipping times are too long. It can take up to two to four weeks and sometimes even six weeks for deliveries from China to reach your customers. And your customers are not going to wait that long for a shipment. What usually happens is that your customers will cancel the order while it's in transit and that's where the troubles begin. It's impossible getting your money back from a Chinese supplier on a returned item. They will offer you an ambiguous credit or a slight discount on your next order, but they will never give you a refund. Just say goodbye to your money and your customers because they won't ever purchase from you again with those big long wait times. Number two, blind shipping is not available. Your customer orders a product from you. Then you notify your drop shipping supplier in China. They fulfill and send the order to your customer. However, your customer will see that it's coming from somewhere in China with that Chinese supplier's information. And now guess what? Chances are, the next time your customer will order directly from that Chinese supplier, essentially cutting you out of the next sale. A true dropshipper will always fulfill an order with your label and contact information only so that your customer keeps buying from you. This is what a blind shipping means. A legitimate wholesale dropshipper understands the relationship between themselves and you as their retail partner. Number three, wholesalers that are also retailers. If you buy from a wholesaler that also sells retail, you are bound by their retail prices. They often sell on eBay, Amazon, and Etsy for very cheap prices. Your margins will be very slim to none, and buying wholesale from these types of suppliers will not make any business sense whatsoever. 99% of all Chinese suppliers sell wholesale and retail. I'm still looking for that 1% that sells wholesale only. Can you really make a six-figure income like all those commercials claim on YouTube? The chances are less than 1% that you can make money how they claim to have made money. Before, it was all those infomercials that promised you riches through real estate. Now it's drop shipping from China. They're both selling you a very slim fantasy to riches. So, can you really make money drop shipping from China? Yes, but it's very rare. Only if they ship from your customer in seven days or less. Only if they fulfill your order as a blind shipment. And only if they are selling wholesale only. I haven't found any Chinese suppliers that can provide you with all three points that I've just outlined. John's first task was to remove all those avoids from his life, which I talked about in a previous episode. Once he did that, and only after that, I was able to guide John into solid real estate investing that increased his success and wealth and steered him away from the dropshipping fiasco that would have been a total disaster. The income from his new profession and his real estate investments had finally created a positive cash flow for John into his bank accounts. All that John needed was the mindset 
and skill set for him to be able to see his pathway much clearer. And once he mastered the Tangi matrix that consists of mastering the intelligent, focused, and connected keys and removing the viruses, vampires, and anchors from his inner circle, he was quickly able to reach that Tangi weekly pinnacle. When you start applying the three main Tangi keys to your life on a daily basis, your plan towards achieving success and wealth will begin to take shape. In the infamous words of motivational speaker and author Zig Ziglar, if you don't have a plan, you'll become part of someone else's plan. And what do they have planned for you? Not much. In the next episode, I'm going to tell you an amazing story about another friend of mine named Ben, who grew up in the suburbs of Los Angeles and always dreamt of becoming a pilot. And at the age of 21, actually fulfilled that dream of getting his license. However, he quickly got caught up with working with the wrong people. He became a millionaire, lost it all, went to prison, got out, and became a millionaire once again, lost it all once again, all while surviving betrayal and several attempts on his life. I'll tell you what my interaction was with him and how he eventually attained the true and clean prosperity that he now enjoys. Don't forget to participate in the Q&A segments by going to speakpike.com forward slash 10G and leave your question or comment there. And if it's featured on an episode, I'll send you a free 10G logo sticker just for taking the time to become an active member of this channel. Look for all the links in the episode descriptions on all the podcasting platforms. If you found this content to be helpful, follow, like, share, and consider becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash 10G. 10G, exactly as it's on the logo. Once again, I'm making a commitment to you to continue to bring you amazing content that will inspire and motivate you to pursue your prosperity and I will bring you many interviews that are scheduled in the upcoming episodes with amazing people that will give us their perspective on how they achieve their success and wealth. Thank you for listening with an open mind and thank you for listening to the end. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace.